Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Pitcher List. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Spohr and Nick Pollock. Hello and welcome to episode 698 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday, May 31st. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and it's another Fireside Chat. So I'm joined by Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? What is happening? How you doing, Spore? I'm doing well, man. We got uh, we got some interesting stuff to talk about today. Uh, just kind of you know grinding through the, the the end of the week here to get to the weekend. Mm. But uh, I, I am excited about this. We're doing a little little check in here. We just had the second chance leagues last week, so we're going to compare where pitchers went in second chance leagues versus where they went in the RotoWire online leagues in the in the spring because those are both 12 teamers just kind of talk about some of the bigger risers bigger fallers some check-ins on some guys right because mm-hmm. there are going to be some folks that we've talked about at length you and i so people can find previous pods for that but obviously some time has passed and so i want to uh i want to i want to talk at least a little bit about some of those and we have one guy who entered the top 100 pitchers uh brand new uh, well one starter there were actually a few other relievers as well. But by the way, the way the NFPC does it is it mixes relievers and starters. And I didn't quite have time to pull them out. So this is among all pitchers. When you hear these right. numbers, pick 150. That would be uh, 150. Well, there'd be 150 among all pitchers as opposed to the 150th starter. So we can get rid of like 30 or so. From that 150 to 120, or something like you, that. You would yeah. you would think you could do that, you know, yeah, at the yeah. higher end, you know, and maybe the top 50, you would eliminate seven or so, you know, right. you could do some shorthand, but it's just to give you an idea, uh, the numbers aren't as important. It's just the the gains that they've had. Mm-hmm. So let's dive in with that 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 new top 100 pitcher, the the one top 100 starter, uh, or, or the one pitcher who is a starter who joined the top 100 there are probably more top 100 starters if i would have taken out relievers uh but it's griffin canning and he joined uh, he wasn't obviously drafted in the spring especially 12 teamer and he was the 93rd pitcher to go off the board and you know he's obviously had that really scintillating swinging strike rate at 15 percent feeling a good strikeout rate of 26 percent seven percent walks 306 era 0.96 whip you gotta love both of those the ERA indicators are preaching a little bit of caution. You got four uh, four thirty eight on the FIP, Oof. and then you have three ninety four on the Sierra. Where do you see Griffin Canning going the rest of the year? And and what do you think? What do you think for a workload situation too? Yeah, that's a good question about the about the workload with Canning. Considering that last year, uh, I'm doing quick maths right now, but I, I'm seeing about a hundred. Hundred and ten last year, something like that. Yeah. So I'm saying about yeah, hundred fifty. I would say hundred fifty or so for Canning uh, this year. Uh, don't get too wrapped up in like the the thirty percent boost or whatever you want to say about it. Generally, guy uh, when guys come to the majors, what I've seen is that they say, "Hey, let's just get him this first season at 140, 150, regardless of the previous previous seasons." Like if a guy throws forty innings the previous years, and they're not just going to stop him at eighty or ninety or something like that. Exactly. So, so yeah, I would anticipate about one hundred fifty this season. He already has about forty eight in the books uh, right now, uh, and uh, there's a lot to say about Canning. Obviously, you were bringing up the the, the gap in ERA and FIP because of that. 200 BABIP and the near 90% left on base rates. Uh, then CR brings it down a bit because it's about a 15% home run flat ball rate. But all that aside, I was really excited to see that his velocity in his debut 
actually has stuck around a bit. It was a 93.7 mm-hmm. in that first one. We normally don't see that because adrenaline is high, and then we normally expect oh, it to take lower or so. And, Tanning was amped, too, right. in that debut. He was bringing it. Now, it did decline as the start went on a bit, uh, which then made me think, like, oh, okay, that's really who he is. He's going to be a 91 or a 92. But actually, he's been going 93 and change through the year thus far. It was 93.4 in his last start, 93.7 and 93.8 in the previous uh, three games. I'll take so that. That's fantastic there. And he has what I call the Blake Snell blueprint of fastballs going up with two good breaking balls down. Uh, that curveball is, in fact, a money pitch by my current definition of yes. 15% plus swing strike rate, 40% plus O swing, and a zone rate. Ka-ching! Uh, and then the slider has like a 25% swing strike rate on its own, too. So I love all three of those pitches. He doesn't even need to flirt with that change if they throws under 10%. Yeah, a little of the time. show me change. Yeah, yeah, he actually, I remember getting, he got, I think he got like two outs in that debut, and it. It's one of those moments where you just have this excitement about a pitch. You don't know what's going to happen with every pitch. All of a sudden, there's, there's a change that they roll over to, to first for an out. And I just go, yes! This is so exciting, you know? Uh, everything. But I went, you know, I'm not going to put any weight on that changeup. So I really think that Canning is pretty much your Shane Bieber. Like, this is, he has okay. an entire blueprint of Shane Bieber down. Shane obviously has taken a step forward this year with commanding that. And I mean, we saw in that Baltimore Orioles start, it was to perfection. Uh, oh, yes. the, the way that he pounded the zone and then just used breaking balls underneath. Now, Canning is a little bit more embracing the elevation of four-seamers than, than Bieber does. Bieber loves to sit at the bottom a lot. But at the same time, I, I think this might be a bit of a tumultuous season for Canning as he does figure it out a bit. But, I mean, especially looking for 2020, I'm a huge fan of Griffin Canning. Yeah, I really like what uh, what we've seen from Canning so far. Definitely someone that after that debut, the swings and misses, you, you just can't really fake that. Um, you rarely see a guy get that kind of swing and miss and and not have something behind it. You know, anyone can right. spike a game, I guess. But uh, it really did look like – and, I, I, you know, I like when the guys come and they're a bit more polished too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this is a guy, as far as a pickup, coming out of UCLA – a little bit more ready to go, uh, sure. as opposed to some of the raw guys who more raw guys who've come up. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited about what he's going to be able to do. I, I'd put him in the high threes as an expectation and kind of work off of that as far as ERA for Griffin Canning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Can I throw a curveball at you? Sure, I'm probably going to hit it though. You, you might. <laughs> I don't think it's a hanging curve though. I think I'm spiking. All right, this. I mean, I, flailing over. We did do BP, so I, I don't. I don't know. I, I see the what curve you, is. You toss. No, what you got? Is that um, there is another guy, uh, another pitcher who is a new top 100. He's 100 exactly, okay. and I think that's why I missed him because I was kind of doing under 100. Spencer Turnbull, oh went yeah, as the 100th pitcher off the board, and I do think he merits some consideration because um, I think we might have talked about him a long time ago, but yes. it's been a while now. He's still toting a sub three ERA at 297. The 129 whip says there's. No chance that that's going to hold, <laughs> along with the 387 FIP and the 431 Sierra. You know, nothing about this is is saying sub three. That's fine though. Still getting the whiffs at 12% clip, yielding a 24% strikeout rate. Kind of that perfect uh, 2.0 of his swinging strike rate working. Walks are up a little bit. You know, 9%. Nothing untenable there. Um, what do you see on Turnbull for the rest of the season? Because I feel like every time. He might have a wobbly start. People are like, whoa, do I need to get out of this now? And, and then he bounces back. You know, he gave up those six against Oakland, but it was only one earned. 
and and he was right back at it again with a decent start against Miami. And then I think he's, he was wobbly early against the Mets and then ended up going seven and only giving up four runs with eight strikeouts and a walk. I'll take that all day, even with the elevated uh, earned run average there. What do you think of Spencer Turnbull rest of the way? Well, the way that you're just describing it is like he's a reverse Fulmer. Uh, and the way that he's messing up early and then doing great yep. the rest of the start. I... Uh, it's a good way to put it. Is this? I don't know if this is a bad instinct to have, but with a guy like Turnbull who's young and has this raw stuff, I almost want to just forget about all the basic underlining numbers with him. You know, whatever he has done thus far, I don't really know. You know, moving forward, I have to expect he's going to go through some growth and development, and I'm more focused on. Okay, was he throwing? In this start, he's good with this curveball. In this start, he's going to sinkers instead of four-seamers, or he's working on that slider more. I see this entire season as a mixing pot of, of Turnbull's stuff coming together to hopefully turn out into a good starter. So everything he's kind of mm-hmm. done up to now, I mean, it's a decent indication of him feeling it out, but uh, you know, I see like a 3-4-1 walk per nine, and I don't... You know, from what I assess with Turnbull, but yeah, he's probably going to be like a three or sub three walk per nine guy. Uh, I guess what I'm getting at is it's hard to tell what we're going to get from Spencer Turnbull right now. Um, all everything that's happened thus far has been this experimentation. I feel from yes, him. and uh, so it makes me hard pressed to really say okay, two ninety seven ERA, but the four thirty one Sierra. What is he? And I just give you a massive shrug. Like we'll see what happens. I'm excited though. Uh, his curveball has been so good at times. Like, I remember against the or- the Royals, he killed it with that pitch. But actually, overall, yes. it's been like, kind of shaky. It was like 10 swinging strikes off of it against right. KC when he got seven strikeouts. But you're right. Uh, or 10 strikeouts. And then he bounced back for seven against them a month later. Um, but, yeah, it's gone in and out. And a lot of his pitches, that's the thing with Turnbull. It's been kind of a – you were kind of hinting at how he does things differently seemingly every start. That does speak to having a depth of arsenal, though, that I do Definitely, like. Yeah. That he can kind of reap. Okay, this pitch is working today. This one isn't. Sure. You know what? What, what am I going to get uh, out of uh, out of the curveball today? Do I have feel for it? No, I can go to the slider, sinker, slider instead. So um, I am intrigued by that with Turnbull, and I definitely think he's somebody I'm holding. Um, I'm not vargasing him. Like one bad start is not enough for oh, me no, to move definitely off. Definitely not. No, I think his skill set is actually really good. Uh, I love his four seamer, and the more that he's he, he, recently he's been throwing more of those four seamers over sinkers, which is great because that mm-hmm. sinker is bad. <laughs> and it, it, uh, he just gets, we hate sinkers. Here. We do. I, I, I've maybe there are like a handful of pitchers that I'm like, okay, fine, you can throw a sinker. Um, Joey Lucchese and Steven Matz are two that come to mind. But uh, Turnbull actually has cut action on that four seamer. And then paired with a really vicious slider, those mm-hmm. two pitches in itself make me very much encouraged about t- Turnbull and 12-teamers. I'm holding on for, like you said, too, for the long haul here with him. Uh, the curveball really is that extra pitch that once that gets going, I think you have the kind of the same mold we were just talking about with Griffin Canning and, and Shane Bieber as well. These guys with essentially three-pitch mixes, two whiffable pitches with a good enough fastball. I I don't know if I who would have the best fastball of that lot. I want to say it's yeah. canning based on how he uses it. At the same time, the action on Turnbulls is really encouraging too. It's nice. And yeah. I mean, I think we can kind of push away Bieber's as just being too hittable at times. Yeah, between the three of them, you got to put you got to put Bieber third on right. fastball for yeah. sure. But uh, but no, I'm encouraged uh, right. by Turnbull. I'm happy to see these in the top 100 now. So we like we like where Turnbulls going. We're hanging on to him. Let's move on to some of the biggest risers here, and uh, this, a lot of these names won't surprise you, but we'll, we'll dig in on them a bit. Jordan Lyles went from the 259th pitcher to the 85th. 
still a little check in on him. I think his uh, his last outing was a little bit rough. It was the beginning of the Derek Dietrich show. He only allowed one of the homers to Dietrich, but uh, Jordan Lyles has been a little bit up and down. Two starts ago, he had he was cruising. He was cruising through five, and then six runs unload on him in the sixth. In fact, I think the uh, the bullpen gave up a few of those as well, which is always frustrating. And I think uh, I feel like, and it's probably just because I remember them because I'm, I'm in on Lyles, Musgrove, and Tyone. Mm-hmm. But I feel like their bullpen has really added some runs to my ERAs in fantasy this year on those three pitchers. And again, I'm sure that happens across the board. That's just selectively remembering. But by and large, Lyles has been great. Even if you look at the nine earned in nine and two-thirds over his last two starts, that's only got him at a 309 ERA. Like he'd had a 197 before that, which we knew wasn't going to hold. I'm I'm liking Lyles here. Obviously, if the hamstring uh, isn't anything and and he pitches his schedule start on Sunday, We'll kind of assess it from there, but let's let's imagine a healthy Lyles. How do you feel about him right now? Well, what is his best pitch, Spore? What is Lyles' best pitch? What do you think? Curveball. Curveball is actually his third, technically by Pval. If you can wow. believe that, his I, uh, I right. I, I I am too. I actually didn't expect to see that. One point eight Pval for that. Seven point three for his four seamer, and three for his slider. Safe. And so his fastball is doing work. Well, right. So he's going up in the zone a lot with it. And uh, Good. I think the game against the Padres, I mean, then again, the Padres are like the ridiculously easy to exploit team. Very whiff task. Right. Like they, yeah. they can get you with home, you know, a homer prone guy can get got by by the Padres. But right. you're still even going to get strikeouts from that guy. Probably. Well, he got a lot. He, he got a lot of his home. K's going up with that, with that four seamer. And then. Yeah, when he pairs that with his curveball, it's very deadly. And the, the reason the slider has a higher p-val is because that's suddenly a 60-plus zone rate pitch. Yep. So that that's a really flexible thing to have. That's essentially the Walker-Buehler approach, in my mind, of four-seamers going up and then curveballs going down underneath and sliders, or for I guess for now, for Buehler, it's cutters, being the pitch that he still strikes with. So kind of pitching backwards mm-hmm. in that way. So I like Lyles in that fashion. I don't think that the the quality of all these pitches are as high as others that we've been talking about, which does sure. make him this bit of volatility that we've seen. Obviously, of course, the injury, the hand, and then the, the hamstrings you mentioned uh, is part of that as well. But honestly, a healthy Lyles, I mean, I'm, I, I'm totally fine rolling with him a lot. I mean, he's definitely ownable in 12-teamers. I'd still be holding on him through this little stretch. Yeah, he's yep. going to ha- go through a bit of what Eikhoff is going through right now a little bit but he's a step up of Ikoff at this point and uh uh yeah I'm happy if I was the one that swooped him off the wire yeah staying on Jordan Lyles right now again keep close eye on on everything with that hamstring you know if he had to kind of get pushed back on that Sunday start and didn't have to face the Brewers don't think anyone would cry about it (laughs) but uh you yeah. know, hopefully there's nothing long term with that hamstring. Let's talk some Lucas Giolito, man, because he's been Ooh, amazing. So good. Uh, he, he's now down to a 285 ERA and 0.98 whip. Uh, I mean, he is panning out to the level that uh, was expected when he was first drafted. Obviously, the 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 expectations on Giolito really came down pretty much from from day one, right? Like he kind of started here when he was a uh, when he was a first round pick. Obviously, got hurt, but then they're like, okay, once he comes back and from the TJ. He's going to be a stud. And then from there, his stock has just kind of steadily dipped down and then even started to plummet a bit as he put up some poor major league work. Well, he's been an absolute, excuse me, he's been an absolute beast. And it started like in a start right before he got hurt. He only gone, he only went two and two thirds against KC, uh, was pitching really well, gets hurt, misses just two weeks. 
had the May from heaven, though. He absolutely he went ridiculous. off in May. 174 ERA, 46 strikeouts in 41 and a third. He won uh, went 5-0 and as well. So he's up to 7-1. and So getting wins, too, on a, on a lowly White Sox team is very nice. Has two complete games this year. Um, let me see. What was the other? Oh, never mind. One of those was a rainout. I thought, I thought so. One of those was a rainout complete games. So it was five innings. Let's not <laughs> overstate that. But uh, the shutout that he has was in Houston. And I think that opened up everybody's eyes who wasn't really who weren't really paying attention to Giolito. That's just um on May twenty third, they're like, Oh crap, he right. did what now? Right. So Giolito's been excellent lately. How do you feel about uh, about his stock? Are you buying in on this? So yeah, yeah, we were all hesitant because it was Cleveland and Toronto twice and when he did well. And it was also well, in that Houston start, actually, even after that, I was still hesitant. He didn't have the best CSW rate during that. He, you know, wasn't getting a lot of calls, calls and whiffs, and I didn't really love what his secondary pitches were doing in that one. It really was this Kansas City Royals one that just totally sold me. That was eight innings, ten strikeouts, three hundred runs. That was essentially just a three-run shot in the first inning, and then just absolute demolition mm-hmm. after that. And that's because did you hear yeah about about the 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 three-run homer that he just gave up in that game? So. Uh, the game started earlier than he thought. Oh, right. So I think he was right. a little yeah, no, off, tr- off track on his warm up. Yeah. And so, yeah, it has the rough first inning, and you're probably, you know, you'll freak out when they say, oh, God, I, I just picked him up. Right. It's I'm over. It's over after stops. two runs in this first inning or three. It's just, that's it. And then he was brilliant for seven more And he was elevating that. heat so effectively. Yes, and I, I feel. This is Giolito. Right. I feel very uh, late to the party. In the sense that I watched uh, one of the starts, and all of a sudden I was like, "Wait a second, this isn't the Giolito I know." And I noticed the the V with his arm, and then not the long arm circle. And obviously, of course, like there was an athletic article, you know, way before I noticed all of this, and it just completely passed me by. Um, and I'm sold. I'm totally sold on what he's doing. Uh, that the key has always been that his fastball has not been commanded well in the zone. And yep. we thought maybe the slider or the changeup would be the way to pitch backwards, and the curveball would never get there. We knew that the curveball still isn't there. <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't need to be. Uh, but now that he has his fastball inside the zone and dominating with it, I mean, we're talking also ninety four, ninety five. It was ninety two, ninety three before. And, exactly, he got Velo oh, back as well. So good because again, he's playing it off the changeup. Right, the changeup has become his really his go to pitch. Slider is now mm-hmm. working too. That worked against the Royals as well. Uh, I'm I'm so in on what Giolito is doing. He's top thirty for me yeah. now. I wrote him back, I wrote him up back on May eighth, and I kind of looked at uh, uh, that that one of the Cleveland outings in detail, uh, highlighting three at bats that he had where he, where he walked guys and kind of what his approach was and how I was liking a lot of what of his what his approach was and sort of some of the stuff we talk about with a Bieber type where we're saying don't be afraid to walk right, guys yeah. in the right situation because his walk rate was high to that point. It was at like 11 percent. I was like, this is not necessarily a bad thing. And since then, he's gotten it down to nine percent, which is a lot more palatable. In fact, if you really just kind of look at it on this run dating back to April 17th, you're looking at a seven percent mark, six point six. So rounded up for Giolito and the strikeouts in May, seven, eight, eight, four, which was in the five inning, quote unquote, complete game, nine and then ten. He's been a monster. He has yeah. 69 very nice strikeouts. All right, moving on to our next guy here. Tyler Molly moved up from 249 to 104. Uh, there's been some love for Molly here. And, you know, Cincinnati's pitching. Their hitting was expected to kind of 
make them maybe a little bit of a you know fringe contender or at least a a spoiler of some sort. It's been their pitching that's really made them anything right now. They're still four games under, but they're starting to play better. The offense is starting to come through a little bit, but their pitching is undoubtedly carrying them, and Tyler Molly's been a key piece of that. Uh, tell me a bit about what you're seeing from Tyler Molly. I, I know you have an article planned, but what, do you, what have you got so far? So uh, so Tyler Molly, uh, I, I just don't love him like other people do. Um, we had actually okay. like a debate a debate on the on the Discord about it. I uh, where Tyler Molly's best asset is his fastball, and that's always going to be the case. Uh, you want to see it up, and you want to kind of leaning in towards left-handers, and that's essentially where he puts it. The problem is I don't trust this curveball as his changeup. It's a split changeup. I think that's going to go in and out for him the entire year. This curveball at times, I mean, there have been times it's the completely that beautiful blueprint of red up, that's four seamers up, and then your, your changeups and your curveballs down, and that's great. But... I just don't. I just don't buy Molly as someone that can consistently produce at this level. And we saw with two tests recently against the Cubs and the Dodgers, finally against these two tough opponents, and he did well against the Dodgers. But actually, I think he got a bit fortunate in that one. Uh, Two thirty-five BABIP in that, no home runs, uh, left on base hundred percent, etc. I didn't really see a guy that was really dominating that much, and that was sandwiched by two starts of foreign runs against the Giants. And then Sixers runs against the the in, Cubs in Oracle Park in right. San Francisco. Yeah. yeah, come on. I mean, he man. did get eight strikeouts there too, but it's and he allowed sure. two home runs in that one. And I, I mean, I'm not saying that Molly won't have great starts. I mean, we see you know seven, nine, seven, eight, eight Ks that he's had this year, and that's not going to go away. But he's going to have a lot of volatility. I've labeled him as a cherry bomb. That is someone super sweet or blows up in your face. And I, okay. you know, the the debate was: Would you rather have Wade Miley or Tyler Molly? I'm siding on the on the oh. Miley side personally. Um, he's all of a sudden gotten whiffs, at, which is crazy. But he has a 26% K rate say, in his last, I think, five or six starts for Wade Miley. So, and, and if if Wade Miley's getting strikeouts, right, he's a ratio guy I with mean, that, wins. That makes him a lot easier it's, to pick uh, over Molly because you were going to sacrifice the strikeouts originally and just say, "Give me ratios and wins," like you said, because right. it's in a good context. But if you're going to throw in some strikeouts, he's got nine, eight, and nine in his last two starts. A five and seven um, uh, earlier in the month as well. Uh, yeah, I'll take him too. I would take Wade Miley over Tyler Molly, but I do like Molly. Um, I agree with you on the volatility, though. I think we've seen it, and home runs have been a part of it. And that's, I, I feel like that comes from being so fastball dependent, though, too. Right. Um, I will say this: last eight you know, starts have been four and runs or more in five of them. See, that's that's frustrating, and a one point six homer per nine is down from 1.8 last year. So homers are just part of his game, and that's kind of the easiest way to get wrecked with your ERA these days or at least keep it from being what we'd like to see, which is uh, something sub-3 for Tyler Molly. He's at 415 with a 411 FIP and a 371 Sierra. So I would use the Sierra as maybe the upside if he kind of figured out some home runs. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. He could it, yeah. really limit the homers. Other than that, you're, you're looking at a low four. So if you can use that with strikeouts, that's fine. But that's very league league dependent. That's yep. like a 15-team mix or an NL only or some of your deeper mixers. I know some folks play 20-plus teams with their mixed leagues because they're psychopaths. <laughs> but I'm one, I'm one of those psychopaths, so I'm not hating. Of course. Um, let's move on to Frankie Montas. He goes from 193 to 51. So he really jumps up. Of course, folks are really bought in on, on Montas here. Uh, he's been great for Oakland. We're looking at a 281 ERA, 120 whip combo, and he's starting to put some things together. So first couple years, 
he could get some strikeouts, but he was wild. This can be nothing really to, to look at except the occasional decent start. Then last year, he put some stuff together ratio-wise for a little while, but the skills were so unimpressive. It seemed like he was really just trying to limit walks mm-hmm. and didn't really care how that happened. So his strikeouts went away. Um, you know, He gave up a bunch of hits. But you know what? He wasn't walking, guys. This year, he's kind of put everything together. He's got that strikeout rate. He's got that walk rate down still. And t- and uh, Frankie Montas has been really sharp so far. Are you buying what he's selling? Well, the biggest argument I've heard about Montas' success is that before he was really just throwing you know, 70 to 75% fastballs. And it was that yes. bowling ball sinker that he would throw that would just induce a lot of grounders and... Well, actually, not necessarily grounders. Only had forty three percent last year, but essentially a lot of contact, essentially, and that's why you have the lower strikeout rate, the high ten plus hit per nine. Because when you, when you leave that up to Bab at three twenty five, it just wasn't that good, even though the walk rate was down. But introducing that splitter, and all of a sudden his pitch mix is much different. Uh, you have about fifty to fifty five percent fastballs now, maybe a little bit, sometimes pushing sixty. But that's a mix of sinkers and four seamers. I love that he uses four seamers. Finally, thank you. Uh, yes. We don't like sinkers. Uh, We're anti. We are, we are definitely anti sinker. I like the fact though that he is really trusting that slider a bit more this year. Uh, it is a thirty eight percent zone rate on it. He's swinging for strikes a good amount. Uh, it sounds like he's in my office, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. This is your first experience <laughs> with Kyle Gibson. Oh, I, that's Kyle Gibson. Oh, it's funny. Sorry. Um. It sounds like he's like literally behind me, like in my office. Well, that's just him buzzing off all the bats with his uh, singer. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, the splitter is actually being very effective as a whiff pitch. 22% swing strike rate this year, 43% O swing. Now, I don't necessarily buy that that splitter will be there all the time. It is a split fastball remember, or split finger. Remember, that is the most inconsistent pitch out there. Um, across yes, the board, and it can be prone to homers. I mean, Tanaka's the best one. Yeah, that's a terrible pitch for him this year. So it's yeah, I mean, it's been it's been homer fest again for Tanaka per per use. So I, I so with Montas, I think he's doing really well right now. I don't believe he's a two eight one ERA. I think he's more of a like a three four kind of guy. About like a twenty. I see a twenty four percent K right now. Yeah, that sounds about right. Twenty three. Okay. I think he's going to be solid through the year. I think there are people that also want him to be elevated more in my ranks. I have him just outside the top 30, I think. I think he's going to some stick folks, there. He, he gets some love. Like uh, He's he's just uh, kind of a fan favorite type, I think. Right. Because he's he, he can be flashy with the big heater, and he's bringing, bringing some strikeouts now and uh, and keeping the walks limited. So I think folks really want him to be successful. And so he gets a little bit of extra love. Um but I agree with kind of tempering where this is going to be because it's not a sub three ERA profile. Yeah, his slider needs to be better. It's not that great of a pitch. And if if I thought that was a really good breaking ball, I'd be so in because he could just then mm-hmm. have a field day with a sinker and slider if the if the splitter is gone. But the slider is it's fine. It's not great. And without that, okay. then uh, then I'm not buying in super high. Fair enough. Uh, let's check in on Max Fried. Remember, uh, we talked about him a while ago, and you actually sold me on, hey, there's actually some K-rate upside here because he's he's finally working three pitches. He's now got his season mark up to 22%. I think at the time that we uh, that we had talked about him, it was pretty low. It was in, it was in the teens, and I was just like, well, what, well, what is this guy? So um, I've been pretty impressed by what he's been able to do this year. He's 319 ERA, 121 whip. Um, there are some very good factors in Max Fried's profile. 
you know, he's not perfect, but he's certainly good. Is Max Fried somebody that you're that you're going with the rest of the year? I am. Uh, he has gone through problems recently. His feel for his curveball, like in the last start, for example, against the the Nationals, was not really there. Uh, Max Fried is at his best when he's throwing high-ish fastballs, at least both sides of the plate, but then a really low curveball, and then mixing in yeah, that slider. and he brings it ninety. He brings it ninety-four from the left, which side, is great, which is really and it's nice. it's well commanded yes. too. Uh, mm-hmm. So those two themselves are great, and then he throws in that slider, and that's a good whiff pitch, and then all of a sudden everything is wonderful. The problem is that he hasn't he hasn't really gone on that stretch with everything is there. By the way, that slider over hundred thrown this far it qualifies as a money pitch. Seventeen point five percent swing go. strike rate, forty eight percent plus zone rate, and a forty one percent plus O swing, one fifty six batting average allowed him well as well, just as to I guess icing on that cake. Uh, but I, I really do feel that when his curveball is there, everything works out well, and then it's just even better with that slider. Some people are worried about this fading. You see the three ninety Sierra, seventeen uh, percent home run fly ball rate, three hundred Babbitt, eighty one percent left on base rate. Honestly, I don't. I don't really see that. That's just a product, I think, of the low strikeout rate right now. I think he's more like a 24% K rate with, yeah, hovering this 320 ERA sounds right, honestly. I think he'd even be better in the whip department. Um, he's at one two one right now. I honestly think we haven't really seen the full gear of, of Max Fried yet um, when he can go six innings, one and run, you know, six to seven Ks consistently. A 24% strikeout rate over his last eight starts for Max Fried as well. And that even includes a... Uh, a one-inning flameout against the Dodgers, where he was uh, he was out after allowing four hits, four runs on four hits and a walk, including a homer. So, Max Fried has been very good so far this year, and I'm bought in. Now we check in on Caleb Smith. <laughs> he jumped all the way up for 150 to 33. We've definitely talked about him plenty. What? And if Who's folks that guy? Your podcast, I don't know who it is. Yeah, who? No, no, no one, no one talks about him. Uh, obviously, been been talked about quite a bit. So we'll, we'll keep this one pretty short here because I, I don't think we need to continue to dive in. But he's been excellent. And I guess the, the question is, do you believe in him as a top 30 guy the rest of the way? I mean, he's a guy that before the last start where everything was just not working, which is the national star, I'm willing to throw that one out. Pretty much every single he's star. going to have a bad yeah, start. Yeah, pretty much every star has been above seven strikeouts. There's just one, and it was six against the Phillies. Everything has been. It was six and six. Oh, man. He's so good. It's everything. He just has a slider that can do everything as a changeup that works really well, and then he elevates the four seamers. It's just there in a great home ballpark. I'm in. I'm so in. Uh, yeah, I, I really am, too. And it's it's hard to find anything that you can't that you don't really like against Caleb Smith other than stuff like soft factors like team context. Right. You know, which, okay, that stinks, but there's nothing you can really do about it. you got to take the strikeouts and the good ratios with Caleb Smith and just continue to enjoy it. If you can sell high, I guess feel free to, but I I don't think there's – I wouldn't necessarily seek out trying to get away from him because I don't really think there's any, uh, you know, like major innings limit that's going to come or anything that I need to get away from. I can just take this late round pick or waiver wire pickup, depending on the shallowness of your league, and just ride it out the full year, and you're pretty much guaranteed a profit no matter what. Right. So, all right, let's move to some of the biggest fallers here, and these are also some guys that we've talked a lot about. So this part will actually be a lot quicker than than the risers here. But Nick Pavetta's back. Yeah. Uh, he dropped from 53 to 134, 
And I think he gave up two runs in the first inning. And I didn't go on Twitter during that. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> you weren't there. allowed. But I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. Oh, you know, Nick Pavetta still sucks. These, you know, these are the worst. But then he calmed down and he was fine. Um, you know, he ended up going five. A lot, oh, it was three runs in the first. But then he ended up going five, uh, striking out five in the final four innings on just one hit and two walks. So a little bumpy in the first inning against St. Louis, but otherwise good. Is Pavetta someone you're back in on now? No. Uh, okay, I, I mean, I think this this start itself, like I, I talk about cherry bombs, guys that are volatile and they're going to be really good and they're going to be really bad. The fact that Pavetta was one in the start itself is just so <laughs> such a great representation. So perfect, it wasn't even right? just that first inning. You had that fourth inning where he effectively walked the bases loaded. He didn't. He got to he, he walked two guys essentially on eight pitches. And then the previous one was Matt Carpenter. They got the three and zero on, and then Mitchell got, I think, believe like a ground out or a fly out, or or something along those lines. But I mean, he was just lost in that fourth inning, he escaped somehow. But this is Pavetta's story. He's never gonna be the person we want. He's gonna all of a sudden throw a beautiful curveball and, and follow that with a fastball. It's just you fall in love in that moment, and then it just flutters away. And this will not change. I mean, look, he's gonna have three starts in a row. I'm sure at some point that blow us away and everything is fixed and then it won't so i i what i just don't want to deal with it what do you think of him um there was an article written recently at the site about making him a middle uh a multi-inning middle reliever right that that could work uh because i know you think that that's a better fit for him i mean both him and velasquez right yeah you stick six six to sanchez oh wait never mind can't do that anymore oh wait (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> but uh But yeah, yeah, I mean I think it it could certainly like it makes sense that uh you know, because there are obviously in the midst of a, a two three inning uh relief appearance he could he could fall apart too, but I think it would allow him to of course, you know, go all out more and just push push that velo to mm-hmm. its max. And really pare down to two pitches. I kind of liked it. I, yeah. I thought I thought it made some sense there. there. I could totally see that. Yeah, I mean the fact that I'm so. not trusting him in twelve teamers as a starter. I'm all for it though. You know that that's only my yeah. only. I'm so selfish in this. I don't care about their roles. I just like, <laughs> are they going to be a good starter as a starter? Then I want that. If they're not, then yeah, then I don't I'll care. Take it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Then do whatever you want. Uh, the, another big dropper here that uh, if they reran the drafts again this weekend, he would drop even further. Is Chris Archer. From 49 to 108, he's been brutal. Uh, Ariel Cohen has obviously, if you follow him on Twitter, you've been seeing a lot of his chatter about Chris Archer and you know how he's saying it's name value only, jump off of this train. He's actually, Archer's gotten a lot worse since uh, Ariel really started to kind of bring him up and, and talk about his issues. Like since coming back or, or even before, he had the start uh, before he got hurt and then out 18 days and then the three starts since you add all those four up it's a 968 era and 17 and two-thirds with just so many crooked numbers 19 earned runs 15 walks 14 strikeouts five homers is archer still hurt is he toast what's going on i mean this is this is untenable in any format right, right now as far as i'm concerned yeah of course uh you you were wondering we were all wondering at the beginning of the year, the first three weeks, had he figured it out? Did he finally get the feel of that yep. change? I was up? hoping. And you know, obviously I had to creep him up in the ranks. There's a guy that just did uh, yep. twenty four strikeouts in three games and only four and runs in those time, with including a seven inning nine strikeout game against the Nationals. All right, maybe we have to pay more attention to this. 
And then it started falling off a little bit against the Giants, and then he got hurt against the Dodgers. And maybe this is just elongated DLH. And yes, I'm going back to DLH. I'm done with the still ill. I want DLH back, and it's sticking okay, around. DLH, it is. <laughs> DLH is the disabled uh, hangover. hangover. So for those that don't, so essentially, know. when you come back, you don't start with a guy in the first start back from the DL because he's still hungover from it. He's not really back where he used to be. And this could be an extended one as it's been six earned runs and then three earned runs and the four earned runs and six walks in the last one against the Dodgers. Exactly. Now, That's the scary thing. Right. I will say this. Uh, I don't think anyone really wanted to start him in that Dodgers start. He didn't look good against the Rockies in Pittsburgh. And he didn't look good exactly. again in, in Arizona. So I, I, I find it interesting to judge him so harshly for that Dodgers one because we shouldn't have started It's a fair him. point because what, what team should have had him? Like maybe an NL only where right. you just – you, you kind of ha- you're you're forced into a corner, but other than that, any mixer that started him, oh yeah, no, you're, of course, not managing your team uh, or not, or you're doing something wrong. I'm not trying to say like you deserve this or something, but it was one of those we were no, just no, kind no, of. No, I, no, I, I know, I, I'm with you. I your point, your yeah. point makes a lot of sense to really not count it so harshly because it should have never been in the in the line. Right. I mean, obviously, we want to see better than six walks. Like, all right, just don't walk anybody against that. It's fine. Just do what you want. Just just don't walk like six just, guys. Just, I uh, don't walk the now he has that sinker back and that clearly isn't working. Hopefully he can get back in the four seam changeup slider and things are okay. I I will say that at some point Archer is going to have a good start and make us wonder again. Uh for me personally, sure. uh, I had it's funny, I had him like at sixty to start the year, then I crept him down closer to forty after those first three starts. And now he's been pushed back to I think like sixty five or seventy or something along those lines. And it's just because, like with Pavetta, it's just it's just another headache, you know, another John Gray type of these. Such, I don't know if I want to deal with such this. such a headache. It's such a headache right now. And, yeah, I, I'm going to have my new uh, June rankings out soon, probably uh, early next week, probably Monday. And he's, Archer's going to be low, plain and simple. He's just going to be low. I'm, I'm kind of done with this right now. And until I see something to really believe in, I'm not, I'm not going to be there. Uh, let's check in quickly on Miles Michaelis. I remember we talked about him. This is another one that you sold me on. Bought in. It definitely worked out well. He had one bad start since. Rebounded since the bad outing at Texas. All's well. And he continues to uh, to pitch well. So are, are, are we still rolling with Miles Michaelis? Well, first of all, you jinxed me, Spore. How dare you? What did I do? <laughs> what did I do? After the first two starts, you were, you were talking about, oh, man, Mick lost his fix and everything. And then he had allowed seven earned runs and two homers. And... He went to Texas. you got to be <laughs> careful in Texas. Nah, I'm messing with you. I uh, no, I'm really excited. I I, uh, I put out a tweet after his latest start because that slider was as good as we've seen all year. He had twenty yeah. whiffs in that last start. Twenty nine whiffs. punch outs against Texas. Uh, oh, against, against Atlanta. Uh, against That's great. Me. And I mean, I'm so stoked about Mikolas right now. Again, well, not again, but I will say this a lot. It's one start, and we need to see him repeat it. But that fa- that slider velocity has just improved. Uh, it was up to 88.6. 88.6. That's Let's essentially go. what it was last year. All of a sudden, and yep. that was this, this incredible positive pitch. Before, it was 86.5. So, they all of a sudden see that hard slider again. Ah, uh, things I think are, are turning up for Mikolas in that respect. Also, he was pushing 95 on fastball velocity last time. He hadn't touched and that's something 94 that all year. Maybe one start, 94.1 on, on April 26th. So, really good to see that, too. I'm really excited for the next start for Mikolas. That was one of the things we hit on with him was that, hey, he's not some soft-tossing clown. Right. 
He's got some, he's got some juice to his fastball, and that slider can be really nasty for Miles Michaelis. So you know, here we are. Um, I still think that you can buy him because people are going to still see the 18% strikeout rate, which is kind of ma- it's basically matching last year now with his strikeout and walk rates. The hit rate is still high at 9.1, and the homers are at 1.7. I think that home run rate is really going to come down the rest oh, yeah, of the definitely. way. And so I would operate with Michaelis as like a 375 ERA pitcher and go from there. And I think it could be substantially lower rest of season. I think, really think he could be like a 330 kind of guy. So go test your market. I'd, I'd still be looking to buy. Next up, Rick Porcello goes from 64 to 98. I mean, as boring as boring gets, it seems seemingly whenever he gets fully written off is when he strings off four really good ones. You start to buy back in, start you and I start to push him back up our rankings, and then he, you know, falters again. To his credit, I will say we've only seen one uh, outing of more than three earned runs in his last nine, and so it is a 3.21 ERA in that span, but 43 strikeouts in 56 innings. He's just so bland, I think, is the problem. And, you know, he's not really getting that much support on, on Boston right now. He's 4-4. Four and four. What do you do with Porcello the rest of I the mean, way? I mean, you know what I'm going to call him. Yeah, the Tobiest of Tobies. He's Toby. I mean, he's not Spider-Man, which is the greatest Toby. Yeah, is, which is the greatest Because <laughs> he's not that good. Because that... Because yeah, the greatest Toby could really push right, up. Right, exactly. Um, but uh, no, the, uh, his other nickname is of course the Thief after what he did to Justin Verlander. The Thief. And yep. uh, oh, and but yeah, he's just going to be that guy. And uh, I understand that he's probably going to get like twelve wins this year. And there's some value to that beyond the Red Sox. He might even get more than that considering he's four right now, and the Red Sox haven't been winning games. I mean, now they'll they're starting to win more. But you understand that and. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to go through ups and downs. He always kind of does this. Uh, if you need volume, go for it. In standard 12-teamers, it really depends on your wire and also what your team construct is like. If you're searching for two or three guys, sure, you're going to go with Porcello and not take all risks there. But for the most part, Porcello is going to be like the last guy, and you can move him for, for the next hot thing that comes up. Yep, I, I would totally agree with that. Nick, that's going to wrap us up. I really appreciate uh, really appreciate you coming on talking here. We got through quite a few guys in, yeah, a, in a pretty expedient time. Pretty good for us, let's be honest. <laughs> we can really get in in the weeds yeah, sometimes. Definitely. I mean, I think uh, you know both of us together. I'm surprised we don't have more three hour. Yeah, right, pods. our powers combined. I think what, what I think what's happened is that uh, Fridays have become busy for both of us, so we have a tight schedule now, and we have to say, listen we got to be tight within an hour. So uh, this definitely works. I did mention I'll be having rankings out the next week, and obviously you do. So maybe next week is a rankings discussion. Ooh, that sounds fun. Perhaps. So uh, we'll, we'll link up for that. But it was great talking with you on another Fireside Chat. Nick, have a great weekend. Always great hanging with you by the fire. Thanks for listening to today's Fireside Chat with Paul Spore and Nick Pollock. Follow both Paul and Nick on Twitter at Spore and at PitcherList. List. 